you're being summoned to a world beyond, outside your reality, into the far cosmos, to a world where good and evil are in constant battle, where heroes are born and legends are made. Welcome to Avery World. Take you now to join Navy SEALs Platoon 106, an elite group of ragtag soldiers, off on daring adventures, or at home dealing with their own internal conflicts. It's called Style Velasquez, baby. Rick, your pants have holes in them. They're called ripped jeans. They've only been around 30 years. You have a crop top on. It's not a crop top. It's just tight fitting. And there's a drawing of a naked woman with enormously large boobs and nipples. And under it reads, flashing. It's inappropriate. It's not inappropriate, you prude. It's, uh, um, someone's rendering of the female phone. Who, Stevie Wonder? Now that's just inappropriate. Sorry, Stevie. My friend's just old and married. He doesn't have to have style, so he gave up on looking good. I like my flannels. They work. They always work for fa heavy bodied people. I just don't get a lot of the fashion these days. I mean, did you know men can wear nail polish? I'm not talking about gay men. That's fine. It signals you're gay. But now straight men are doing it. I'm like, what the hell? When did that become okay? Now I don't know if you're straight or gay. I'm in no man's land because I don't know if you're hitting on me or just being friendly. You sound like you're having a tough time. Newsflash. You're wearing a wedding ring, bud. No one's hitting on you. Okay, but let's let's talk about this shaved head thing. What shaved head thing? I mean, I mean, women are willingly shaving their heads. I don't get it. I mean, you're a woman. Your gift is that you can naturally grow hair down to your back. It looks good that way. Why would you want to be bald? Is Velasquez complaining about bald-headed women again? Yep. I just don't understand it. They cut it real low and then dye it like pink. And it's like, why? Why do we need to dye our hair any other color than what God naturally intended? Who wants to walk around with green hair? I mean, honestly, I saw a little girl the other day, no more than eight. The entire rainbow just threw up on her head. Why would her parents let her do that? Well, maybe she's comfortable in her own skin, doesn't have to abide by your standards of normality and beauty. Eh, I gotta agree with the big man on this one, Vanessa. What? I mean, once I knew a woman back in New York, hair down on her ass, fine. I mean, I would kill for her. Any man would kill for her. She was so hot. 
shaved a head, couldn't look at it. Sounds like you have some issues if a woman's hair or lack thereof turns you off. And when were you in New York? My college years. When did you go to college? Well, I didn't go to college. I was just party hopping. I'm not touching that. And as far as this hair thing, grow up. It's their body. Oh, that's a cheap out. I mean, you can say that, Vanessa. You have a shaved head, but you have a muscular body. It works for you. Me and Alaska's were men. We go bald, it works. Exactly. Some women, it just don't look right. You look like you had a mental breakdown. And like, don't get me wrong. I love a good bob. That shortcut. Oh yeah, the shortcut is nice. The shortcut is nice. Usually signals lesbian, but it's gorgeous. It works for the woman form. You two should be canceled. You need to love women for her form, no matter what she does to it. I agree. Just don't shave your head. Or gain weight. I like a nice chunky woman. Well, it's because you're a chunky guy. Chunk on chunk. I'm slim. Skinny. Okay, skinny. Lanky. Whose side are you on? Yeah, you're right. I like a woman to match my weight type. All I'm saying. Now you like a woman to match the way you see her in your Barbie doll generation head. Yeah. You know, you're just as toxic as the people who make those dolls, Rick. And you, Velasquez, be ashamed of yourself. Your wife will be very disappointed in you. Was there something we said? Yeah, probably. I don't like nose rings either. Oh my, they look like buggies hanging out of your nose. Makes no sense. No sense. Just nasty to look at. We take you now to the lecture hall where Avery is waiting to teach about the structure of a screenplay. Hello everyone, I'm Avery Go and this is Avery Teaches and today we're talking about act one of a screenplay. This is the beginning of the script. This is the one of the easiest acts to write because it's one of the easiest acts because everyone always knows what act one is going to pertain. I guess we already know as the writer, like this is the act that we see in our head, usually act one and act three. Sitfield has a great um, note where he says, know your ending. Okay. Before you go to write. So that's just a little tip. Know your ending because that'll help with your act one. But if you're struggling with act one, well, let's break it down because it is the easiest, easiest act to write because you're not doing too much in terms of structuring it. You're simply setting up your inciting incident, setting up your character, setting up their world and getting them into the story. How do we do this? You're wondering, okay, Avery, you make this sound so easy. Well, that's because I've been doing it since I was 14. So I know it's pretty, it comes pretty easy to me, but it's going to come easy to you too. And I'm going to tell you that because I'm able to write an act one in a day because I understand the simple things you have to set up and do in act one. And we all know about creative process and we'll talk about that in another episode. If you want to be creative, you want to let your ideas flow and not follow a structure. That's one of my biggest notes, not following a structure just in terms. But if you're having trouble, you're you're if you're having a lot of trouble writing your act one, go back to the structure of it. Go back to the basics. Keep it simple, right? Keep it simple, stupid kiss. K-I-S-S. Keep it simple, stupid. Go back to the basics. And these are the basics. Your act one starts with your inciting incident. Now, I've been saying this time for two episodes. You're like, what is your inciting incident, Avery? I don't know what this is. Go watch a Marvel movie. Turn on Disney Plus right now. Watch, not even a Marvel movie. Watch the new Chippendale. Watch the new Chippendale movie, the Rescue Rangers movie. Watch the first five minutes and then watch it cut to present day. Anything before present day is your inciting incident. What happened before we meet them in the present day? Something happened or something's happening they don't know about. 
See, so these sightings can take many forms. One of the most common forms is the alien comes to Earth in the year 1701, plants something, dips. Here we are in the present day. Well, obviously, we set up an obligatory moment because whoever we introduce as our hero is going to have some type of interaction with this thing at some point. All right. Like, that's the thing. Or the characters were on a TV show, Chippendale, right? They're on a TV show and they had a falling out. And now they're no longer on the TV show. But the story's not about the TV show. The plot is not about the TV show. The emotional arc of the story is about this TV show. But the plot is about their friend going missing and being, uh, spoiler alert, being what's called uh, bootlegged, which was actually a pretty funny term in the movie. But that's what the plot of the movie is. But we don't understand where our characters are emotionally. We don't create that conflict. That's what an inciting incident is. It's creating conflict because your act one doesn't necessarily have a lot of conflict because your character's not in motion yet, right? They're, they haven't moved emotionally, physically. They are in the same place that we're going to, they're going to be in the same place for the next 20 pages, right? Inciting incident is an obligatory moment. It's a hook for the audience, which is why it's necessary. It's a hook. It keeps the audience entertained because if you don't have an inciting incident in your story, then your audience is going to be watching these guys work at Walmart and you're going to be, they're going to be like, why am I watching this? I know something's going to happen at some point, but like, why am I watching it right now? And, and, and so setting up an inciting incident, especially a really good inciting incident, like, okay, someone got shot in a back alley, right? Like a noir type film. And you don't know what who this person is, who shot them, why, but you know your main character is going to have something to do with it. That's going to buckle your audience in because they're going to go, okay, at some point, there's defecation in a fan and it's going to hit the fan. And once it hits the fan, your act one is over and act two begins, right? So yeah, that's your inciting incident. Your inciting incident is, let's see, uh, in Shrek, right? A Lord Farquaad puts out the notice that all the fairy tale, fairy tale creatures have to move, right? That's your inciting incident, all right? That sets the characters and that sets the plot up to eventually it's going to come into play, right? And we, we don't see that right away. We see it after the opening sequence when the guy drops the flyers on the, the flyer as they're running away. The knights, you see it, and you're like, oh, what's that? That's going to eventually, you know, it's going to eventually come back into play. So once your inciting incident is over, what do you do? You introduce your main character introduce them we should know as the audience or the reader of the screenplay the audience watching the film we should know what they do for a living if they do anything uh where they're living who they're living with uh what they want what they think they want because the character doesn't know the character doesn't know what it's going to learn yet that's important they don't know what the story is going to teach them so what are they missing set up what the character is missing right and so that they have something to learn so what they want, what are they missing? And more importantly, you, you, you just want to open up the world of the story. What type of movie are we watching? You want to set that up. All right. Is this a blockbuster world? Is this a pretty chill world? Pretty realistic looking world? What is it? Set it up. All right. Chippendale Rescue Rangers, the animated characters in the, um, in the uh, live action people, they mix pretty well from the beginning. So we're understanding as the audience okay, throughout this movie, it's not weird to have cartoon characters. Roger Rabbit, little different. Toons are kind of like this thing they don't want to touch, mess with. They have Toontown. They do their own thing. They don't really mingle with humans. They kind of keep it kind of separated of the races. So what world are we in? Set that up. Okay. So where's your character? What world we're in? 
What does your character want? And more importantly, what is your character missing? And not physically missing, but what emotionally do they not have? Are they selfish? Right? They do not have compassion for people. They do not have empathy. Do they have too much empathy? Are they missing a little selflessness or uh, selfishness? Are, like, what are they missing? And more importantly, what are they going to learn? Right? Set that up for the audience so that we know going in to act two. Now, what else does act one have? Well, act one, you're going to introduce your buddy character or characters. Introduce the friend. Whether the character knows his friend or not is not up to the characters, up to you. Whether they're their best friends, how long have they been friends? Like, you know, how, where do they become friends? Like, introduce all of this so that the so that the audience knows, the readers know this person is important because your best friend is more than likely going to be your B story in the second act. And that's going to help you stretch out pages amongst pages to give your main character a break and your audience a break from your main character. So you're going to have your B character introduced as well set up as well not as set up as thoroughly as your main character but you want to set them up in act one now what else does act one have well you're going to pay off your inciting incident you're going to pay off your obligatory moment how you're going to introduce the story right introduce the story so this could be mission impossible the character gets a mission that's pretty straightforward right that's your james bond type plot point a character gets a mission they must go somewhere to do something at some point right and in canto the candle is dying the house is collapsing she has to figure out why all right simple easy plot point a now how do we make this a little more spicy well around page 17 18 introduce your story and they have your character go no i don't want to do that not going to happen and then like two minutes later in the script have have something happen that forces them to kind of say yeah no i have to do this someone gets kidnapped someone gets threatened the, the villain shows up at their front door or you know and they go oh, okay okay now i have to take it so give it a little bit more of a pushback from your main character give them a little bit more personality and then have them accept it and that's act one right your plot point a is simply your character makes a choice to start the movie that's it movie hasn't started yet story ain't in motion now your story is in motion at the end of Act 1. So recap, inciting incident. Okay, your inciting incident, something that happens that will eventually affect the main character. Whether it happened in their past, whether it happened two days ago, whether it happened to them, around them, to someone they know, or to someone they have no clue that's happening, or who even exists, it will eventually affect their main character. Introduce our characters, main character, uh, plot point B are side characters, introduce the world, establish the world, character wants, what the character is missing, and then give the character a mission and a goal that they will accomplish all the rest of the script. And that is act one. So go start writing your act one. Keep writing, keep writing, and keep believing and keep dreaming. And I'll see you next week when we break down act two. We take you now to a laboratory on top of Hilarious Hill overlooking the town of Stupendous, where Dr. Michael Laborious and his assistant Iago are once again conducting experiments to solve life's greatest unknown mysteries. I have your breakfast, Doctor.
in the Sam Hell is this? Ah, Iago, good morning. This, my fine assistant, is my new binary interplanetary transmitter communicator. When I left you last night, you were building a ham radio. Yes, but my fingers kept itching and my mind kept twitching, and voila, the binary interplanetary transmitter communicator was born. Interplanetary? Oh no, don't tell Precisely, Iago. What I will tell you will finally give us the ability to speak with aliens. Aliens? Extraterrestrials. Our great unknown allies. E.T. Like that movie that makes you cry. All he wanted to do was phone home. And now we have the chance to do exactly that. I took that ham radio, hooked it up to an audio recording device, plugged the audio recording device into a boom microphone, put that boom microphone into a washing machine to wash out all the outside interference, then plugged that washing machine up to a microwave for a radiation boost, connected that to a bullhorn, connected the bullhorn to a boom box, infused that boom box into a telescope, hooked that telescope up to our direct TV dish. I thought we had Dish Network. No, 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 I got rid of Dish. They charge too much for stars, and I need my power. And you actually expect this to communicate with aliens? Of course I do. I built it after all. Imagine all we can do with this thing. Imagine what we could learn. Well, I won't be the fool to disagree with Dr. Laborious, but I must warn you of the dangers we can lure to Earth. Don't be silly, Iago. If there are aliens out there, I'm sure they're not dangerous. They're green and tiny, like that Seth Rogen movie. Or ugly and tall like Independence Day. And I'm willing to take that risk. Well, I cannot condone you putting Earth in such danger. May I remind you of the crying? Fine. But if it's not E.T., then we're ending the call. Agreed. Now to power up my device. You guys just sit tight. We'll get you there in no time at all. <gasps> we have made contact. That was much faster than I had imagined. Hello? Can you hear me? Who? Who it is? This is Dr. Michael Laborious and his trusted assistant, Iago. Don't tell him our names. You're right, Iago. He may not even understand English. Of course I understand English. He understands he English. English! What game y'all trying to pull? I assure you this is no game. We have built a machine that allows us to talk to aliens. Aliens? Well, I ain't no alien. If you're not an alien, then what are you? I'm just a driver. The aliens, if you're sure you want to call them that, are in the back. Why are the aliens in the back? Well, I can't fit them all up in the front with me. There's too many of them. Too many of them? Mr. Driver, we would like to speak to at least one of the aliens. I'm afraid they can't come to the phone right now. And why not? Too risky. Could get caught. And besides, their English ain't that good. Could get caught by who? The police out here. Wait a minute. What'd y'all say? In the back. English isn't that good. Why would the police be looking for these aliens? Cause I'm smuggling them across the border. Unbelievable! Do you know what this means, Iago? I think I do, sir. Space is just like our very own world, but even larger. Filled with pirates smuggling aliens and police trying to catch them. It's just like that old gypsy woman said! Hold on just one moment. Where are you right now? Somewhere outside the USA. Heading north. 
Wait just one minute here. Here we go. I know what's going on here. There's a USA out in space. Do you know what this means, Iago? The aliens must have came here before, long ago, and inspired our founding fathers to name our country after theirs. What, sir? No. This man is not from outer space. He's from Texas. Texas? Then how did he get to outer space? He's not in outer space. But he says he's smuggling aliens. Yes. This man is helping illegal immigrants into the country. Why? To help them start better lives. Believe it or not, there are many countries out there that don't offer the very freedoms of our own. Though we are far from perfect, millions of people risk their lives to travel across our borders to escape great dangers and start a new life for them and their families. Iago, this is not the 1950s. You're right. It's worse. And we must all remember how blessed we are to live in a country such as our own and never take it for granted. Well, I couldn't have said it better myself. And neither could I, my fine feathered assistant. There you go making me sound like a bird again. I must never take for granted the freedom this country has given me. Instead, I must use it for good to ensure that every country will one day enjoy the freedoms that we share. <gasps> I've got it! For our next invention, we will make a machine that will fix all the governments in the world and make them exactly like ours. Now I don't think that'll fix the problem. It's worth a shot. Now we are go. Please, make me a new breakfast. Right away, Doctor. Your time in our world has ended. As you return to reality, remember that your world is what you believe it can be. Your imagination is as limitless as your dreams. So never stop dreaming, for a dream is where your imagination can run wild.